Tune in. Tune in. Tune in. It's the power of the game. It's the power of the game. It's the power of the game podcast by Golf Saudi. Welcome to another edition of the Power of the Game podcast with Golf Saudi. Delighted to introduce our very special guest on today's episode, a former tour player, a broadcaster, an analyst, a coach. It is the one and only Sophie Walker. Sophie, thank you so much for spending a few minutes to chat to us on the Power of the Game podcast. Not a problem at all. Sounds like I do a lot there. Uh, it is, it <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. And of course, you, have, you are the, the master of all trades when it comes to golf. Obviously a former player, you've got into coaching as well. Yeah. Um, very keen to get your take on, on the way that golf is progressing, how it's changing moving forward. But just to focus on Saudi Arabia, if we can, for a moment. Mm-hmm. Lydia Ko winning on 23 under par last week in the Ladies International, the, the individual stroke play event, and now this new format with the Aramco Team Series. Given that there weren't even professional golf tournaments in this country three years ago, it, it's quite a thing really to be sat here having a chat at the Royal Greens Golf and Country Club in Jeddah. I think to say it was fast moving is an understatement. These events on our tour have regalvanized the Ladies European Tour. And whenever we come to a country as a tour, we want to leave a legacy. We don't want to be a circus that comes in for a week, then leaves, thank you very much, packs up. Um, so it's really good to hear the initiatives that's going on with, with the Ladies First group. And I hear it's now golf's now going to be taught at schools. I mean, in England, we've been crying out for that forever. And Saudi Arabia have done it, like you say, in a year. It really has, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, 135,000 kids um, within the next couple of years will be taught in their curriculums golf in school. So it will be introduced because obviously there isn't that traditional kind of culture of golf where the parents would, would introduce their kids to the game. So it's got to be given a bit of a push, but how many countries, I mean, is Saudi unique in that case? I mean, I know living in the UAE that that, that, that doesn't happen. I think Scotland do it, obviously home of golf. Um, yeah. But yeah, obviously in England, it's very much the structure of, of football and cricket and netball and hockey. And the reason I think golf's so good is that you can play it at any age. There's, there's ability-wise, you can play off different tees, different handicaps, and especially at, at school, when you get to, I think it's 11 or 12, all the sports become female and male sports. But golf's the one that you can do together, and I think that's key. I, I do think there's too much of a break-off between men's and women's sports at, at junior level. So it's nice that golf, they can everyone play together. Your own sort of journey into the game, I know you started playing properly at around the age of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get introduced to it and, and did you find it a seamless progress up through the amateur ranks? Well, it wasn't through school. Uh, it, was, it was through my father. So my dad played. Um, he was a keen footballer, cricketer, gets to his 40s like most men do and then, and then pick up the game of golf. He was handicap secretary at our local golf club in Cleethorpes and I played every sport going. Um, kind of played a bit of golf but we couldn't join the club till we were 10 years old so I suppose England's moved forward a bit as well in in that respect so uh, we used to go to a local pitch and put me and a couple of friends and then that's how it started and and I was uh, a footballer playing with the boys then it was now you're not allowed to play Uh, you've got to go and find women's football which wasn't big at all in England at the time but golf, I could still play with all my like, lad friends. We'd, we'd go to the golf course and that's, that's what we did. And summer holidays were just spent with a couple of pounds to buy some chips and a, 
and a bottle of coke and we'd play 36 holes a day minimum. Uh, when did you first think to yourself, hang on a minute, I'm actually pretty, pretty good at this game? <laughs> yeah, um, I had a season when I was 15 where, where I just won everything. I won English girls, um, represented England. It was one of those where everything I played in, I won. Um, so that was kind of the time that I thought, yeah, might, might need to look at possibly doing this for a living. So yeah, that, that so summer of 2000. So it was a as a young kid. It was something that you just kind of fell upon when you realised that you'd reached a certain level. Yeah, I wanted to be a professional sportswoman and I didn't know what it was going to be. I used to love watching the Olympics, um, anything sport, that, that was me. I, I tried swimming, horse riding, tennis, football, everything. And, and it was just, where could I find a sport that I could do this for a living? And, and like lots of women, I think it's tennis or golf. Thankfully, there are a few more sports out there now, but if, if you want a career at something, they're the two. And I, I think I wrote in my yearbook, you know, like your end of year, but when you're, when you're in year 11, 15, 16, and, and somebody said, like, you'll be a professional golfer. Where will this person be in so many years' time to be a professional golfer? So that was when the time I thought possibly, but my parents were quite um, adamant that I carried on with education. At the time, there was quite a lot of England golfers quitting at uh, 15, 16 years old, turning professional. Um, and, and on the men's side, the likes of... Danny Willett and Rory McIlroy. I mean, they did all right by doing that. Yeah, no, they did. <laughs> Obviously, they? Um, but my parents were quite keen on me going to university. I suppose when you announce yourself in such an emphatic way, like, I mean, Rory winning the, the Desert Classic in 2009 at, what, 19, mm -hmm. I think he was, you know, there's not really any reason to go to do your college or your scholarship no. at that point because you're already good enough, right? Yeah, and the women's game was still... It was hardly on television. You know, it's, it's moved forward so much that we would get the uh, ladies, that the, the Women's Open w would be on BBC, and that was it. There was no LPGA golf, no LET golf. I couldn't, there wasn't really anybody or, at all that I thought, oh, I can go and do that. So I, I had to play elite amateur golf until I was old enough to, to then think, oh, what? I didn't know what the Ladies European Tour was when I was 15 years old. I honestly didn't. I knew what the Solheim Cup was and I knew what the Women's Open was and that was it. Wow. And that just goes to show the media coverage has grown exponentially. I mean, look at the Solheim Cup yeah. now. It's a monster event. I mean, it's comparable in a way to the Ryder Cup. I don't know the exact viewing figures, but the excitement that it generates, that its ability to transcend the game of golf and excite fans of other mm -hmm. sports or, or, or people that would not necessarily usually tune into a golf tournament. Um, that's been quite a sort of slow and incremental progress, but you must be heartened by how much it's, it's grown. Oh, I am. I mean, there's only been 17, I think, now Solheim Cups. 1990 was the first, so we're quite behind in that respect. But I think that the one at Glen Eagles and the most recent one has really captured the imagination of people. It's been great to have anybody come up to me, um, men or women, uh, especially men, and go, they enjoyed the Solheim more than the Ryder Cup this year. Okay, we won. But you know that, that feeling of it's just golf and it's really good mm. golf. Um, I think the last two Solheim Cups have just been incredible. And the fact that those two Solheim Cups have included moments of controversy, I, I think personally, my, yeah, I think it <laughs> undeniably helps because yeah. controversy obviously generates column inches and that generates media interest and, and just generally more attention on, on the game. So 
the fact that there's there's a row over a gimme or a, a you know a, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. whatever scenario, a free drop or whatever, you need that kind of edge, don't you? That needle almost. Yes, you do. Now I work in the media. I see it from a totally different point of view. So when that happened with Madeleine Sagstrom and uh, Nellie Corder, I was just like, here we go. I mean, it was headline news on Sky Sports News. It was the first thing that came on. Um, our viewing figures went up. And, and I, from a player's point of view, I felt for the two of them. And I hope it didn't affect the rest of their solime. And I think it did. But from a media point of view, the eyes on the Solheim Cup and then people stuck with it because of the quality of it. Yeah, you need something, don't you? <laughs> you certainly do, yeah. And, and of course, the Solheim Cup is that sort of real driver of interest, certainly in women's golf. But the LPGA Tour, as you mentioned, what's happened with the Ladies European Tour, the injection of investment from this part of the world. I mean, Aramco has become such a crucial partner now to the Ladies European Tour. How do you sort of assess how, it, how it's grown? And, and obviously, you know, thinking back a few years, the Ladies European Tour was, was in sort of dangerous, yeah. dodgy territory, wasn't it? Oh, incredibly. I, I made a decision to retire at the beginning of 2018. And, you know, some of my playing ability, I didn't think I'd done what I should have done. But also the lack of opportunity out there. It was, you know, you were playing one week and having three weeks off and events were getting put on the schedule, taken off. and. And, and I was, as players, we were seriously worried what was going to happen with the, the LET. Thankfully, the LPGA came on board. Um, I don't think we, as a tour, would have survived COVID times. I think we wouldn't have played. It would have been a little bit like the Asian tour, where they'd have sat out for 18 months and then seen what happened. Um, and the Aramco investment was, I mean, a lifesaver, in, in, quite, in quite honesty. Um, these events that have come in have what 40% of the prize funds, the quality of the tournaments as well, uh, the, the infrastructure, the, the, the golf courses, then the players that are coming in, you know, we've had Lexi Thompson, um, Nellie Corder, Lydia Coe. Without the Aramco investment, they're not coming over. It's, mm. it's a fact. So that's really stepped, stepped it up. From a personal point of view, I kind of wish I was playing in a few of them because I really enjoyed team golf. And I think I'd have done half decent. Half tempted yeah, to tell at, Sky, at these, listen. At these, uh, these <laughs> events. But yeah, the, the, it came at a time where we needed it. And then due to COVID, there was a lot more expense going on as well and and just an example for, for the ladies schedule you would you would get events that might be put on the schedule and then disappear or someone would say we just don't have the finance due to covid you know everything's gone up that you've got to pay for tests etc etc so with this year that the aramco team series we're supposed to go to singapore and the likelihood of that was was less due to to the restrictions over there and i just thought it just wouldn't be on okay well, we're only going to have three team series this year still thank you very much you've been great for our tour but no like they put one on in Sotto grande it was like no 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 we're still doing four we'll find a way and that i can't think of a, of a sponsor that, that have done that for, for the ladies european tour that they don't just say no you'll just have three we've really enjoyed it no, we'll find you four and we'll make that one. I mean, Sotte Grande mm. was a huge success considering it was put together, I assume, in a couple of weeks. No, oh, they're fabulous events and they're so innovative. In terms of, you know, growing the game and, and attracting more eyeballs to the game, I have to admit, I'm, I am a bit of a traditionalist. Mm -hmm. 
I, I do see a, a, an effort from the powers that be to, to kind of, like what cricket did with the IPL yep. or, or T20, I completely, in a T20 World Cup going on at the moment, it's fantastic, it's a great spectacle. It wasn't good last but, night. <laughs> no, it wasn't good last night from an England perspective, but you know, it's a, it's a, it, I think it's been very good for cricket. But at the same time, I do think that this idea to make a game appeal to the most amount of people does threaten its sort of integral kind of uh, you know ethos or, or sort of the heartbeat of that get of that sport what it's all about fundamentally where, where do you sit on that I, I agree um, we were, you only have to look with with the cricket the, I live in Manchester and, and the India England test match got got cancelled and, and I still think it was because of the IPL they're so strong and um, I worry that golf might go into that. Maybe we can learn from cricket, actually. There's so many different games that they're playing now. I do think we could go with the tradition of the 72-hole events and then put something on the side. But we are throwing a lot of stuff at golf at the minute. Um, the, team, the team aspect, um, the tours coming together, all that type, like mixed, mixed events. And they're just seeing what sticks. Um, I'd like it to be slightly more organised than mm. just somebody picking up an idea, but I think that's kind of what happened in cricket and that's where the IPL came. Hopefully we'll settle on one thing. I quite like the the mixed events where the, the, the purses are different, but you can take your children to go and watch an event where the men, one three ball will be at nine o'clock and the, the women's three ball will be at ten past nine and, and you can go and go and watch, but for different prize funds. I quite like that one. Um, and I do like the aspect of team golf every now and again, just so we can start seeing the players in a different light. You know, you said you play with Anna Norquist. Anna Norquist is, is incredibly great at keeping her composure. I wouldn't have asked for anybody else to hit that hybrid shot at Canoosti on the last hole. Some, you need to make par four at Canoosti to win the Open. You'd pick Anna Norquist over when pretty much anyone like in the world. Well. <laughs> but it's just, she's so composed, but equally, the likes of her and Georgia, when you do see them in a Solheim Cup or even in these Aramco team series, you, you see a little bit more mm. personality and, and, I, and that's nice. I, I like having a, a bit of team aspect as well, but there is a lot going on at the minute in, in golf. Yeah. If I speak as a fan of the game and as someone who enjoys watching golf, for me personally, if I had a gripe, there, there's too many tournaments that are a bit ho-hum. You know, mm -hmm. They don't involve enough of the top players. And um, I just feel that there are certain things that golf mi is missing out on fundamentally that it could be capitalizing on. The Olympics not being a mixed event, for example. Absolutely. Um, I don't know what your view is I think is that's on... going to change. You think that will change, do you? Yeah. You, that, that, that sounds like you have it on good information that that's going to change. I think a lot so of the governing bodies have... I've not, I've not met one person that has said no. So, yeah, okay. I think that's I mean, something will change in Paris. That, that would be, to make it a team event, a mixed team event, would, would give it a completely different aspect and it would make it unique as well. Rather than have an individual stroke play tournament, which we see week in, week mm -hmm. out on the tours, there would be an, an additional reason to watch the Olympics and you would see that dynamic between the male and female players. And I, I think you would gain a greater appreciation of what the female players are capable of. Yeah, I do. I, I don't think the men's game underestimate our game at all like we play quite a lot with with the men in practice rounds and and they appreciate everything we do and they they know how hard we work it, so we're very much see each other as level um, it's unfortunately it's it's other people that see us as totally different thankfully sponsors are starting to to not see that but that in terms of the men I've never seen anything but support from them 
Is there any scope to harmonise the schedules? I know at 2014 at Pinehurst, I, I enjoyed the yeah. fact that the, the Women's US Open was held the week after the men's. Michelle, mm -hmm. Obviously, Michelle winning it was, was huge as well. But I know that's difficult from a scheduling point of view, and the tournaments have their place in the calendar, and that's tricky. But did, would you like to see more of that? Yeah, I would. I, I think it it's quite, makes it a little bit more relatable to see... Um, what Dustin Johnson did on the fourth hole at Pinehurst, and then you know what Michelle Wee did as well. Um, you've just got to think of it's the organisation and everything that goes into it, isn't it? It's you've got to keep volunteers for two weeks at that same venue, um, all the t television infrastructure. I mean, television isn't even together yet. I think in America there's two companies running golf, isn't there? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think you've, think you've got great visions from it, but the trouble is with golf, it's quite slow moving, which is why these events have kind of like taken us all a bit by surprise, because if you want it to happen, it just seems to happen. Yeah. It normally takes a good 10 years to get people in the same room in golf. What was the most challenging aspect of being a tour professional that you found that perhaps you weren't expecting when you turned pro? The, the, we played so much team golf. Um, basically like turn up at an airport with your passport and your clubs and everything else is taken care of and then you go in, into um, tour golf and that's just not the case it, it, for me it was everything but golf it was the accountancy that, that, that you had to make your own team you suddenly had to like coaches physios everything like that it was it wasn't the golf it was everything outside of golf which actually can affect the golf and that was my biggest biggest thing and and the it's a loneliness in a weird way mm. like there's all these people around you but actually you, you're all against each other even you know it's like oh how did you play today I don't think anyone's particularly bothered <laughs> it's just yeah. uh, how did you play today yeah. oh great yeah anyway carry on and as much we can't help it golfers are very selfish people Whenever I'm playing badly, I, I console myself that no one cares apart from me. Yeah, that's it. That's what I always say if I'm in a pro. I'm like, no offence. I don't, couldn't care less. They're like, um, how, how have I swung it? What did I do there? I'm like, I wasn't watching. You know, it isn't. You're so into yourself. If more people were, were just aware that that was the case, yeah. people would be a lot more relaxed yeah, on the would. golf course. So, yeah, I suppose when you're looking for genuine connection to other people, you're getting that insincerity, perhaps, and that sort of everyone's in their own little zone. Yeah, you are. And, and the best word I've been hearing at the moment it, of why golfers have been playing well is balance. Right. Everyone's been saying it. Um, I'm more than just Sophie the golfer. Yeah. I've got balance off the golf course. And, and that's, I think, really hard as a golfer because when you're in a team, as I say, it's like, right, we're training at nine o'clock. Then, then we're going to have some food. Then you're going to go to sleep. Then we're going to we're going to put some analysis on it's all told whereas with golf you can wake up and you think oh, I don't feel like it today I might have an extra half an hour in bed then you go to the range and then you think oh, I'm half an hour behind everybody else and they're doing this and you have to make your own structure um, and it's quite easy to start looking around and see what they're doing and, and the best golfers are like, like Georgia Hall for instance she's very insular in what she does in her strategy and practice and no one affects that and I really admire that for somebody that is so driven and in their own belief in themselves but also the way they structure their days. 
Yeah, I mean, when you say balance, and actually quite a few of the players we've had a chat to on this podcast, Emily Pedersen being one, mm -hmm. saying that she had to get past um, golf dictating who she was as a person and sort of, you know, that she was more than just a golfer and, and that how she played should not affect her mental state and her kind of mental state of mind. Um, but when you talk about balance and then you talk about golf demanding that very driven kind of single-minded determination and narrow focus, that's a bit of a dichotomy, isn't it? Because yeah. you can't be presumably balanced and yet um, unbelievably driven and focused on one thing at the same time. Exactly. And that's the trouble that we have. It's switching off. The, 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 you become your job. Um, it's not a nine to five. It's all of you. You, you struggle to stop thinking about it. And that, when you hear people that have been playing well, it's quite often that they've got something else. Playing for something bigger than yourself seems to be the best way to play golf at the moment. If you've got starting up a charity, that when, suddenly when the lads have babies, it's like I've got something else just to take my mind off it. And they don't know that I'm a professional golfer. And we we kind of get affected by lots of opinions that get thrown at us all the time. Mm. And it's quite hard to, to bat that off, I think. Um, and, uh, and your whole life is, or your whole career, you know, I shouldn't say life because it should just be career, is about what number is at the end of the day. Yeah, It's just a number. And, and it's, if it's under par, you're happy. If it's over par, you're not. It's, it's, it seems mad, really. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, um, it, it goes for all top sports, I think. And anyone who's an elite athlete from, uh, we met Michael Phelps a few years back and this guy is definitely not normal, you know, because he was annoyed at having only six golds in one of the Olympics and he wanted eight. You know, th mm -hmm. this is, and Tiger Woods was exactly the same, the standards they set for themselves and how, for want of a better word, you know, narcissistic they're, they're willing to be to achieve what they want to achieve, it, it doesn't work when you want to be a well-rounded person. And I think that's where a lot of the mental health issues stem from nowadays, because of, you've got that clash between wanting to have a normal life where you have you know, a normal balance to it, but also to play a sport professionally where the, the pressure is only getting ratcheted up year by year. Yeah, we're, we're, I always say we, we're so selfish golfers and it actually took me to remove myself from playing to realise quite how selfish I was and thankfully I've, I've softened a bit but you wonder if that softness would have helped or not helped in golf, you, you don't know. So I think uh, it's key to, for people to have somebody to talk to, be it the golf psychologist or your mentor, just to get stuff off your chest and, and to ask them, am, am I being stupid when I'm thinking this or just a sounding board because um, as I said like it can be quite, you get stuck in your own head sometimes. Social media, how much of that is that playing a role in, in you know, um, why we've been seeing mental health as such a big topic for, for, for all sorts of sports? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, it's great in, in a way for sponsorship and, and marketing yourself and, and I think the women golfers in general do a really great job of letting people into their lives um, and I think that they've really gained from it and Thankfully, there's not too much backlash for, for a lot of the women, but you can start seeing, that, you know, as much as amazing as Charlie Hull is at golf, because it's from an English perspective, how much do you know, how much can you Google about Charlie Hull? There's not loads, but if you follow her on Instagram, you get, you get the feeling of what she's like as a person, and, and I think that's great. 
but also the, there's the flip side that I'm sure if, if Charlie puts something on social which isn't golf related, you know, why aren't you practicing? And, and, and the, the, the things when people critique your swings, I think they're, they're up there, aren't they? I think the golfers have, have realised that yeah, I shouldn't listen to, to what anyone's saying about Beyond critiquing my swing. <laughs> but I, I, I would assume that, that there's still a little bit of um, when, when people say, you know, I had a bet on you the other day and you you lost and all this. Like, I think there's some, there's some harsh stuff going on. Mm. Thankfully in golf, it, it's not as bad as, as football and, sure. and other sports. Yeah, you don't have the sort of vitriolic kind of tribalism that you have in football. No. Um, but in terms of when you're a, a broadcaster, an analyst, you've been there as a player, you yeah. know what they're going through. Yeah. You're also, you have a personal relationship, I would imagine, with most of them. Mm-hmm. Do you have to watch what you say a little bit? You do, um, but also, for instance, if somebody does miss a short put and it's a bad stroke, you can't, like, you're laughing, you can't back away from it. You can't say, oh, Miss Reed. It, you, you have to stand by because somebody's going to be watching at home and they're going to they're gonna say, well, actually, that's the second one they've missed in three holes. You know, this could be an issue. Stuff like that. And I like to try and back it up with facts, um, which, thankfully, statistic-wise, is going to get a lot better, thankfully, over Has the next few years. Has a player ever confronted you about something that's been said? Yeah, some, yeah a player came up to me and, and said, you said this the other day, um, it was about going to the gym, just to let you know. I, she'd added some yardage, Olivia Cowan it was, and uh, someone had mentioned that she, oh, she looks really good, doesn't she? And she was hitting the ball loads further, and, and he said, someone said about like going to the gym, and I said, oh, she's been hitting the gym, and she was like, I've not, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> I, actually, I've not been going to the gym. Oh, okay, great. So it's not too bad. I'd like to think if. I did say something wrong, someone had come up to me, because I don't say it on purpose, mm. it might be something that, if you know, if you mention their, it's why it's so important for the players to keep up to date with their caddy list, who their coach, who their coaches, who they represent, as in golf course wise, all that lot, because if they don't keep that up to date on the website, that's all I've got. Um, so you might get some, you might be walking on a practice round and so and so will come up to you and say, just to let you know, I'm not working with him anymore. So if you don't, can you not mention it? I'm going to work with so and so. So that's good. And, and thankfully, hopefully COVID restrictions will, there are easing. But last, this year, last year, I couldn't even get near a player to ask them questions. So yeah. there was a lot of WhatsApping and Instagramming to try and find out some information about them. What do you see as the future being, Sophie, in the, in the next few years for the ladies' game? Um, in terms of, you know, do, do we need a sort of transcendent stu- superstar a la a Tiger Woods? I mean, there have been in the past, of course, um, but is, is, that, is, the, is the ladies' game missing that at the moment? And do you see it continuing to chart its, its incredible rise in popularity? I think the standard of the women's game since I retired a couple of years ago is just gone through the roof. I mean, it's we used to get like the one player that might have somebody going against them. So Lorena, Annika, Carrie Webb. Um, but now, I, I mean, we made this joke last week that Lydia Coe's not even the best co in the women's game. <laughs> like that's how amazing that, that, that there's a real there's about there's a good five of them that are just going to really push up the game. Um, I do wonder if it, if it would help to have. That, that one significant at the top, which 
really drives it. Um, you know, we've we've seen in tennis when when Roger Federer, you know, came along, mm. and and with, in football the Ronaldos and the Messis. Maybe we we do need somebody that just leads the way for for longer than a, a year or so. I do think in the women's game there's Is Nelly there's a lot more fluctuation. That? Yeah, Nelly's capable, but so's Co. And, um, yeah, it just feels like every year there's someone else that comes along that just is in- incredible. Um, I, I, it must be, I've, I've never, never been in that position, but it seems like there's a strive to get to the top in the women's game, and once they get there, they're not quite sure what to do with it. Um, and even, like, look at it in the men's game, other than Tiger, it was kind of like, everyone goes, I'd love to be world number one. And then it's like, oh, I've done that. Mm. And they, they talk about it in football, don't you? Like defending the title, that's always the harder one. Yeah. And, and I think now, because of the standard of the women's game, you're going to get the likes of Nelly Corder saying, um, it, yeah, it's not just about being number one now, it's about being number one for so many weeks and, and that type of yeah. thing. Whereas before, it, was, it's get, it gets a little bit like, I was world number one for a couple of weeks and you were, then you were. Well, coming back to Tiger not being normal, I mean, he didn't even celebrate one of his Opens because that's what he was supposed to do, was to win the Open yeah. Championship. And when you look at someone like Rory, who's won four majors but hasn't won in a while, you see someone who's got a much more uh, balanced life, um, who has other interests outside golf. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that the, the consequence of that is that he isn't as perhaps dominant as he potentially could be. Yeah, well, I think Tiger's dominance um, made it... W- was a huge impact on everybody's life but also it was a hindrance because I felt like I never saw Tiger miss a four-foot putt I never saw him lose a lead you know all all that type of stuff so now we see that we see a little bit more of yes stuff can happen you can lose a three-shot lead that's just life whereas so now I think you're seeing players swing it a bit differently Um, I, I because they haven't grown up on Tiger, even though you see the 25-year-olds say, oh, yeah, Tiger was my hero. Actually, they didn't sit there every Sunday night and think, well, here he is again winning. So maybe we're going to see a little bit more of a different type of golfer because of it. What would be your advice to Saudi Arabia with this great vision to grow the game, to introduce it to as many people as possible, um, obviously to keep it fun and accessible as well. You've been a player, you've been a coach as well. What would be your you know, pearl of wisdom, if you like, Sophie? Sustainability. Like, don't just do it for a year. Like, it, you've got to see a, a plan. It, it, it's not just going to... It might change quite significantly. Obviously, it has in the last couple of years. But you're going to really see the effects of, of long-term. Uh, we've went to India for like 10 years and it was lovely to see and I feel like we could get this start here where you see a few of them turning up at the golf course, a few of them in the clinics, then the next thing you know they might play in the pro-am then it, and then suddenly they're playing in the event but it's seven years time, you know, yeah. you're, getting that, you're getting that 12 year old, 10 year old and then you're seeing them later. So think of it as more of a, a long-term goal, uh, you know, I'd like to see Saudi Arabian golfer in the Olympics. Like, really look long term um, but I think the fact that it's starting in schools is, is a huge huge benefit yeah, it needs to become normal golf needs to just be like yeah right. I play golf part of the fabric of, yep. the, of the country and the culture mm-hmm. and yeah as you say the, the patience is required it's not going to happen overnight but it's a pretty amazing start really to oh yeah I mean it's, not, it's nice here. if you've got the funding and <laughs> that you use it in the right way and, and the strategies that are put in place that I've seen so far 
look to look to be going in and, the right direction. And the direction. Aramco Team Series, obviously, that that has now become an integral part of the Ladies European Tour schedule. Yeah. Uh, you, you'd be, I'm sure, keen to see that continue to grow and develop. Yeah, I would. It's just the, the standard, as I said, the standard of golf courses are the best that they play on the ladies tour, that the fields are the same. And I think we're starting to see the players really understand the team format now. And you're going to see just better and better golf. Fantastic. Well, listen, Sophie, thank you so much for joining us sure. on the Power of the Game podcast. It's great to have you with us. Thank you. Sophie Walker there. Great insight into the women's game. Uh, the Power of the Game podcast will be back with new episodes very soon. You can check out social media. You can follow us on the Golf Saudi website as well. More episodes coming your way soon.